You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. This is unfortunately prevalent within many churches today. Any religious system, any church who flies the banner, the flag of Christianity, that overlooks the seriousness of sin, that doesn't preach against sin, is empty. And it merits the description, wells without water. Those fellowships, those churches, are wells without water. A gospel of grace and forgiveness requires sin and evil. It's not necessary if wickedness doesn't exist, yet in our culture and even within some branches of the church, there are those who would rather just deny the presence of sin and evil. These teachings are insulting the work of Christ and could even be considered hateful towards the lost souls in need of salvation. As we'll be reminded in today's message from Pastor Mike, We have to acknowledge our depravity to realize our need for Jesus. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Peter chapter 2 as he continues his message, Flat Out Rebellion. Balaam wasn't able to see him, but the donkey that he sat upon was able to and just stopped dead in his tracks. And so he began to speak to the donkey. He began to beat to the duck, beat the donkey. In fact, the donkey actually uh, lay down. And uh, and and again, uh, as he's speaking to the donkey and beating him, God opens up the mouth of the donkey to speak to uh, Balaam. He caused the donkey to speak which is indicated here in our text in verse 16. And you would think that that would have caused the most rebellious individual to come to his senses. I mean, a dumb animal is is speaking to you. He was bound by his sin. So listen, has God been speaking to you? Lovingly, patiently, seeking to direct you. You who have gone astray from the path of God's uh, best and usefulness. Won't you at this moment let him have his way with you? Move into God's will. And as you do, you will discover that joy, that blessing, that fulfillment. If you're out of God's will, listen, you're only going to be miserable and dissatisfied. Remember what Jesus said in John's Gospel in chapter 15 and verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Verses 17 through 19. 
Now, he's describing these false teachers. That's whom we've been talking about now over the last several uh, weeks. So he says of them, he describes them in this way. These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. That is, these false teachers. For by whom a person is overcome by him, also he is brought into bondage. A lot of the section of Peter's epistle has been devoted to exposing these certain false teachers that had infiltrated the early church. And so Peter, once again, along these same lines, shares his convictions concerning the wicked lives, the vain philosophies of these false teachers. And in doing so, he provides certain descriptions of them for us. The first thing that he tells us, and this becomes our first point, and if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, he describes them, notice there in our text, as wells or springs without water. You see, the idea here is that a dried up spring to a thirsty traveler is of no value whatsoever. And likewise, of what value is false teaching to thirsty souls? You know, in John's Gospel, in chapter 4, in verse 14, where Jesus is found addressing the Samaritan uh, woman at Jacob's well. So in John's Gospel, in chapter 4, in verse 14, he says to this woman, Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting uh, life. And listen, what a privilege to drink constantly at the fountainhead with the assurance that every spiritual need will be met. And what a difference between the teachings of Christ and what Christ has to offer in contrast to what these false teachers had to offer. Christ offers everything to meet our spiritual needs. And that's who we really are. That's the real you. That's the real me. We are a spirit. And we need to know the reasons for our existence. And God will address those uh, needs. He'll address and answer those questions for us. And, and it's through the drinking of that water where we possess our, our hope. You know, Jesus put it this way in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 5, in verse 6. He said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. What a wonderful promise. So, therefore, if you're thirsty, we may go to Jesus and drink freely and fully. Let me give you another cross-reference for this, along these same lines from the Old Testament in the book of Psalms. In the 145th Psalm, in verse 18, there we are told, The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in uh, truth. So, let me ask you this question. Are you full? Are you satisfied? And if not, come to Jesus and drink, because only he can satisfy our innermost longings of our hearts. And therefore, discover and know the existence of our being. Discover, as many of us have, the water of life, who is Jesus himself. But these false teachers, 
here knew nothing of the reality of satisfying water. They tried to lead others to contentment and peace, but you know what it was like? It was like the blind leading the blind. So beware, because the satisfaction that they were offering thirsty souls was that which the devil still offers to restless, distraught humanity. That fleeting satisfaction. How? Through pleasure, lust, and uncleanness. Providing for them a license to sin. You know, let me also say, uh, and this is unfortunately prevalent within many churches today, any religious system, any church who flies the banner, the flag of Christianity, that overlooks the seriousness of sin, that doesn't preach against sin, is empty. And it merits the description, wells without water. Those fellowships, those churches, are wells without water. Now, let's go on. Peter provides another description of these false teachers for us. Notice there in verse 17, the next description. He refers to them as clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. You know, if, if those who are duped, if those who have been deceived, could only see them as they really are, if they could just simply strip away their uh, slick facade, they would see them for who they really are. They are, according to Peter's description of them, they are like clouds that are driven by a violent wind that is, have a destructive effect. And this is exactly what false doctrine does for empty hearts. Rather than providing peace and satisfaction, it results in turmoil and confusion. Gang, listen, only Jesus can quiet the storms of life. You know, we have a picture of this recorded for us in Mark's Gospel. I'm going to ask you to turn there. In Mark's Gospel in chapter 4, we have the, the story of Jesus and his disciples crossing over the Sea of Galilee. And in the midst of that crossing, there comes this great storm upon the waters. Let's pick up now in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. On the same day, when evening had come, he, that is Jesus, said to them, his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. And listen, when Jesus said, let us cross over, you can be sure that they're going to, they are going to cross over. That was a promise that he had made. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern of the, of the boat asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great uh, calm. Hey, listen, you know what? We can always rest when we know that we secure the presence of Jesus who is with us. But verse 40 goes on. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? So listen, gang, every one of us can rely upon the power of Jesus. But notice here in this story, they ask Jesus, Master, don't you care? And of course he cared. He always cares for his own. He cares for you. He cares for me. 
and thus he calmed the storm in the hour of need. He provided peace and serenity for every storm of life, even now for you and me. You know, he says to every troubled heart, and this, and he makes good on this promise, in John's Gospel in chapter 14, verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Listen, gang, we can just place our trust in Jesus. You can be sure that he will never uh, fail us. So, are you restless? Are you disturbed? Are you tossed about the midst, the perplexities of life? Well, listen, this is what we need to do. We need to turn to Jesus and find that peace, find that calm. Now, Peter brings these further indictments against these false uh, teachers. Another way that he describes them, notice in verse 18. He says of them, they speak great swelling words of vanity. Let me give you a cross-reference. And I think that that's what uh, Paul was thinking about here in the book of uh, uh, Titus there in verse uh, in chapter 1 and verse uh, 16. He says, they profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good uh, work. And let me give you another cross-reference from the New Testament. In 1 John chapter 2, in verse uh, 6, there John tells us, He that says he abides in him, that is, if we say that and make the claim that we abide in Jesus Christ, we ought ourselves to walk even as Jesus walked. So, this begs the question, are we walking the walk? Or are we just Sunday morning Christians, just playing at being Christians? The rest of the week, we're stumbling blocks. We're hindrances to the work of the gospel. You know, there is this story that preachers like to uh, tell as it relates to walking the walk and letting our lights shine ever so uh, brightly. And it's about this blind man who was found sitting at the corner of a street on a dark night in a great city with a lantern lying beside him. Now, seeing he was blind, a man who was passing by went up to him and asked why he had the lantern. Uh, obviously, he knew that the lantern would have been uh, no advantage to him, seeing that he was blind. Well, the blind man responded and said, I have it so no one will stumble over me. Think about it. He bore a light so no one would stumble over him. So let me ask you this question. Are we causing friends, neighbors, associates to stumble over us because we fail to bear the light of Jesus Christ? And are we encouraged throughout the New Testament, the Old Testament as well, to bear the light, bearing witness of our relationship with God and who God is? Like, for example, in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 3, in verse 2, Paul tells us there, You are our epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men. So people are reading us, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. They might not ever pick up the Bible, but they're going to see what the Bible is all about by the way that we live our lives, the way that we conduct ourselves. And then are they going to come to an accurate conclusion about the truth of the gospel and who Christ is? Is our life convincing people of the truth of the gospel? 
listen gang, a regenerated, consecrated, holy life is one irresistible argument for the gospel. Let me also give you another cross-reference for this. In the book of Colossians, in chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, describe first who we are now in Christ, the new life that we possess, and the way that also we should conduct ourselves. In Colossians chapter 3, in verses 1 through 3, If then you were raised or resurrected, that's the idea, we've been resurrected with Christ, then seek those things which are above. Uh, we should be more heavenly-minded, that is. He goes on to declare where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. In other words, think more about spiritual things. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Our sin is hidden. Our guilt is hidden. Our shame is uh, hidden. And so therefore we need to think upon spiritual things. That needs to be our focus on heavenly things. We need to be thinking about uh, the Lord in the ways that we can serve the Lord, obey the Lord. So do more than just simply talking the talk. We need to live for Christ. Listen, gang, there are too many nominal Christians today. These false teachers of Peter's day, they talk with great fluency, but their wicked lives voided every word that they utter. Now, also notice, let's go back to our text, in verse 18, the latter part of verse 18, and I would rather uh, like the King James uh, translation of this uh, verse that says, those that were clean escaped from them. In other words, they weren't duped. They weren't deceived. Why? Because they were clean. What does that look like? What does that mean? How did they escape? So in spite of of the powerful satanic thrust, and listen, Satan was behind these false teachers and uh, what they were uh, uh, trying to uh, share with the members of the uh, early uh, churches. So in spite of the powerful satanic thrust through these false teachers, some believers were noted as, notice here, according to the King James Version, it's a translation that I prefer, they were clean and thus they escape. Now the word clean there in the King James Version can also be translated just. And also I would remind you that these were young Christians. These were first century Christians. They were brand new babes in uh, Christ. But nevertheless, they didn't have itching ears. They sought the simplicity of God's word and following it. And by the way, all of these things are the way that they were able to overcome. Uh, the way that they weren't uh, deceived, right? They sought the simplicity of God's word and following it. They weren't impressed with religious oratory, you know, fancy words that these false teachers were espousing. Their old man was dead, the old man, the old you, the old me. The body ap appetites were in a check, you see, and there was an absence of pride so that these teachers couldn't appeal to their human flesh and ego. See, these are the things that lent themselves the, for them not to be deceived by these false teachers. And though, again, they may have been new believers, they weren't immature. Listen, gang, this is the only way to escape. How? To be clean, to be pure. It's the only way not to get sucked in. What, what do we need to do? We need to stay ever so close to Jesus because he is our rock, 
He is our fortress. He is our high tower. He is our protector. They overcame and continued for the Lord. And oh, how we need to know Jesus and how we need to apply ourselves so that we will continue to grow in him. And then finally, notice another thing that uh, Peter tells us about these false teachers. Notice there in verse 19, they promised their listeners liberty. But listen, Peter informs us that they knew nothing of liberty. They themselves were in bondage. Notice the way that he puts it. They were servants of corruption in verse 19. They were mastered by their sinful hearts. They were bound by the shackles of lust and wickedness. And because they persisted to continue in sin, refused to submit to the deliverance that only Jesus provides, they themselves were captives. They could have, they could have been free, but they chose to remain the servants of corruption. They were prisoners to their own evil works. What were those works? Pride, greed, and lust. Gang, this is true of all who refuse to heed the truth of God, as it has been revealed to us through the scriptures and through the person of Jesus Christ. Rebellious, refusing to submit to the lordship of Jesus. What happens? It hardens that individual's heart and leads to judgment. Listen, following the paths of sin, you're forging a change that binds which you can never break. Your soul will be held in captivity. Now, here's the question. It's the most important one. Is there hope? Yes, there is. What do we need to do? We need to yield ourselves to Christ. False teaching can't deliver. Only Jesus can. It's only through him. It's not through some program that uh, you know someone is promoting. It's only through Jesus where we can know this liberty that I speak of this evening. You know, Jesus put it this way in John's Gospel, in chapter 8, and we're going to close out our message in just a moment. But let me give you these final uh, verses of Scripture. In John's Gospel, in chapter 8, in verse 32, Jesus said, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And then in verse 36 of that same chapter 8 of the Gospel of John, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Listen, gang, what are we talking about here? Free from sin, free from bondage, free from unrighteousness. Let me lead you in a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for those living waters that only Jesus can give. And may it become a fountain springing up within each and every one of us to eternal life. For we ask it in his name, in the name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long You've been listening to In My Father's House, a ministry of Harvest Christian Fellowship with Pastor Mike Venezio. Thanks for tuning in. Throughout the book of 2 Peter, there are two obvious themes, maturity and growth. As difficult as those two things can be, they're necessary as a believer in Jesus. After all, they're stepping stones to holy living. 
What is holy living? It's setting yourself apart from all that is worldly and living into all that is pure and good. Jesus knew this wouldn't be easy on your own, so the Holy Spirit was given to help guide you through the growing pains. If you're wrestling with growing in the ways of Jesus, you're not alone. If you're struggling to obtain maturity as a Christian, you're not alone in that either. This life isn't easy, and the world constantly throws temptations. But lean into Jesus, cast your cares on Him, and don't give up. You can do it in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening today to In My Father's House. You can explore more of these messages by searching for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio on your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to subscribe. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll find directions and service times at harvestnyc.org. If this broadcast is an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? If so, you can do this securely on our website, harvestnyc.org. Thanks for listening today to In My Father's House.